Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes. Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year, and I know there are many listening that are thinking about what to get their loved ones for Christmas. It seems like the ultimate road trip through the Bible might just be the perfect Christmas gift. I really believe it is, Brian. When I first started writing this book, I, I wrote with the serious Bible student in mind, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But the further I got along into the process, I began to realize that this two volume set is really for everyone. Uh, the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible or those that teach it. It's something that can be enjoyed as a book you read from start to finish or as a study tool. I think if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word, you will return to it repeatedly. Well, we believe it's something everyone would want to have, and that's why we're offering it to you today, friends, as our thank you for your year-end gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. And here's the good news. As you give today, the impact of your gift will be doubled, up to $17,000 by generous friends of Something Good who are providing a matching grant. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. John 3, 16 tells us that God so loved the world that He gave. That's what Christmas has always been, a time of giving. And it began more than 2,000 years ago with God's greatest gift to us, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, Ron begins his teaching series, The Gifts of Christmas, an in-depth look at four of the greatest gifts God has to offer. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. 
from Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor. Here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, God So Loved. Well, we all know that Christmas is a season of giving, and if you doubted that for any reason, the retailers are happy to remind us. The retailers love this time of the year because, uh, well, they can't wait for Thanksgiving to end so that Black Friday can come. How many of you are Black Friday shoppers? I'm not. Uh, It is the scariest thing in the world for me to walk into a shopping mall. So I wait for Cyber Monday. That's the best thing for a guy like me to be able to shop online and to order all my Christmas gifts and have them delivered right to my home or to my office. Uh, that's, That's great for me. But I'm also glad for Giving Tuesday. You know, that global day dedicated to giving back. Giving Tuesday comes after Black Friday and Cyber Monday as some attempt to rein in some of the commercialism and the consumerism of this time. Because you see, I believe that as followers of Jesus Christ uh, celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, we just need to take a collective deep breath, don't we? And remind ourselves as to why we do all this gift buying and all this gift giving. And it's for one simple reason. Because God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He gave his one and only son. Do you know that God is the most generous being in the universe? That he is the best gift giver found anywhere in the universe? He really is. Uh, He's the most generous being. And we as his children and followers by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are never more like God than when we give, than when we give joyously and generously and cheerfully, not just at Christmas time, but any time of the year. And so I want to talk to you about the the gifts of Christmas, four of them that we're going to look at over the next four weeks leading up to Christmas Eve, God's gift of Christmas love, His gift of Christmas joy, His gift of Christmas peace, and His gift of Christmas hope. And if all of those uh, gifts sound a little bit abstract, they are. But here, here's the beauty of the incarnation and the beauty of Christmas is that all of those abstract concepts, love, joy, peace, and hope, became reality in the person of Jesus Christ and that babe in Bethlehem. Uh, that's why I like to say that God's Christmas love, which we'll look at this morning, God's Christmas love is wrapped in human flesh in swaddling clothes, we might say. We don't need to leave God's Christmas love in the abstract somewhere. It was reality. It was was wrapped in human flesh. John tells us in John chapter 1 that that great Christmas verse, the Word, that is Jesus Christ, became flesh, and He dwelled among us. And God wrapped up His Christmas love in uh, a person named Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem. We might say that God's Christmas love sounds like a baby's cry in Bethlehem. It sounds like the voice of many angels singing glory to God to the highest and on peace, uh, goodwill toward men, and all that the angels sang. Uh, You know, the odds makers would have put their money on Jerusalem, not Bethlehem, for where the Messiah showed up, because Bethlehem was a a nothing little village, a nothing little hamlet outside of Jerusalem. No, Jerusalem was the place where everyone thought Messiah would come, but but God in His uh, uh, sovereignty and in His wisdom chose chose Bethlehem. And who would have ever thought of a virgin birth? Uh, But this is how the Savior came into the world, through a virgin named Mary. 
I want us to talk about God's Christmas love this morning, and uh, what can we say about it? I want to suggest three or four things as we get started in this Christmas season. The first is that God's Christmas love is really incomprehensible. It's incomprehensible. As I sketched out this series uh, a while ago, and as I sat down this week to, to write a message about God's Christmas love and how God so loved the world, i got to be real honest with you. I felt a little bit intimidated by the subject because I quickly realized who among us can comprehend the love of God and who among us can talk about it adequately. I mean, the love of God is, is truly incomprehensible. Christmas in and of itself, friends, is holy ground. But when you start talking about uh, the love of God at Christmas, I feel like a little 12-year-old boy who's trying to explain Einstein's theory of relativity. I can say the words, God loves you at Christmas, just like I can say E equals MC squared. But beyond that, I, my, my, my words fail me. And, and I don't understand the world of uh, physics and relativity, let alone the incomprehensible nature of God's love at any time let alone at Christmas time. Uh, the Apostle Paul was no intellectual pygmy, but when he wrote his letter to the Ephesians, he told them how he prayed for them. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow down my knees before the Father. He goes on to say that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, listen to this, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. My prayer for you, my prayer for me and for my family this Christmas is that we might know the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love, His Christmas love for you and for me. Now, that's going to be hard for us to do because Paul is quick to say that the love of Christ, we might say the love of Christ at Christmas, surpasses knowledge. Why is it so hard for us to comprehend the love of God? I can think of a few reasons. First of all, because there are limits to our human reason. Now, the intellectual elite in our society don't want to admit that. They don't want anyone, anyone to say that all the degrees that they have and the alphabet soup behind their names, uh, that, that human reason has some limits to it, but it does. It's not the human reason that helps us understand the complex nature of who God is and, and why He does the things that He does in this world. It's the revelation of God that helps us understand that. Human reason has its limits. That's why there are some things like the love of God. We need the revelation of God. We need God to show us. We need God to demonstrate to us His love. So human reason has its limits. Another reason that I think it's hard for us to comprehend the love of God is because our culture, our culture perverts love and masquerades love in a lot of different ways. Uh, to say it in maybe a nicer way, human love is different than God's love, than divine love. Human love can be friendly, like I love my neighbor or I, or I love a friend. It can be romantic, like the love between a, a boyfriend and a girlfriend or a husband and a wife. But, but our culture has a way of perverting it. Love, love in the masqueraded kind of way can be um, immoral and lustfully erotic. But that's not the nature of God's love. 
And so sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend the love of God because the way others have loved us and the way we have loved others in our culturally perverted kind of way falls way short of the love of God. The other reason I think the love of God is hard for us to comprehend is because love is kind of an abstract concept, like, like, like joy and peace and hope. How, how do we wrap our understanding in our minds, let alone our hands and our feet, around abstract concepts like love and joy and peace and hope? And the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 that God is love. Say that with me. God is love. The Bible says that. Uh, the, the John who wrote the Gospel of John wrote 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. And in 1 John chapter 4 and in verse 8, John says that God is love. Now, we have to be real careful with that because it's easy to turn that around and assume the opposite too, that love is God. But that would be a philosophical mistake. God is love but that doesn't mean that love is God. In other words, love does not define God. God defines love, and He loves it uh, in, in the way that uh, he, he expresses Himself and demonstrates His love. Uh, all the ways that God expresses Himself is an expression of who He is. And at Christmas time, He expressed Himself in the primary uh, way that we might understand His nature, and that is He loves us. He, he demonstrated, He showed off His love toward us. He took it out of the abstract and, and, and put it into human flesh and into swaddling clothes and into something that you and I as human beings can understand. That's why John moves very quickly from the abstract concept that God is love, and, and, and he becomes uh, very, very concrete about it. He goes on to say, in 1 John 4, verses 8 and 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. If you get lost in the philosophical uh, Milky Way up there about this, this, this idea that God is love, uh, John wants us to understand that that love was, was demonstrated, it was made manifest, it was, it was made real to us when He sent his only son, Jesus, into this world, and he was born in Bethlehem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Savior of the world. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, God So Loved. If you're new to the program, we want you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab right at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club. That's a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share these internet and radio broadcasts the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call anytime at 757-276-1099. That's 757-276-1099. You can't outsmart God, outlove God, or outgive God. And the best part is, His greatest gifts don't come with a price tag. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, God So Loved. The Apostle Paul says a similar thing in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. He says, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's one thing to say to somebody, I love you, to tell them verbally, I love you. 
It's another thing to show it. And God is in the show and tell business. Christmas, again, is God's love wrapped in human flesh, wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's his way of not only saying to the world, I love you, but demonstrating it, uh, putting on a show and tell for all the world to see, even for all of the uh, heavenly angels to see and to sing about. But to say all of that, I I, I just got to be real honest with you. God's love is so incomprehensible to me and to us. It's hard for me to even feel adequate about a message like this to find the words to even describe God's Christmas love to you and for me. It's just, it's so huge. Which brings me to the second thing I think we can say about God's Christmas love, and that is it's not only incomprehensible, but it's immeasurable. It's immeasurable. And this is what the Apostle Paul says to uh, the Ephesians. Remember, he wants them to comprehend with all the saints, listen to this, what is the breadth and length and height and the depth of God's love. In that phrase, uh, Paul lays out the dimensions of God's love. Have you ever tried to measure the love of God? It's it's about as impossible and as difficult to do as, uh, well, counting the sands and the grains of sands at the beach. It's just just an impossible task. Or or try to measure the span of the universe with a a 12-inch ruler. (laughs) I mean, it's just impossible to do. Or even to jump into the Grand Canyon and, and do it with a little, little 12-inch ruler. It's immeasurable. E- even though Paul tries to lay out the dimensions of God's love, his width and his length and his height and his depth, it's, it's still an immeasurable task. Now, those of you in the business world might remember an old adage that goes something like this, you can't manage what you cannot measure or you do not measure. That's pretty popular in the business world. And so business people will often have various metrics by which they measure their business success, their profits, their losses, and whatever you can, whatever you can measure in the business world, you can manage it. But, but what if you can't measure something? Well, those same business people will say, then it's, it's not worth measuring, and you just don't worry about managing it. And I think that's the point when it comes to the love of God. It's, it's immeasurable because our job is not to manage the love of God. It's simply to accept it by faith and to receive it as a free gift. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what God's Christmas love is all about. Don't, don't try to manage it. Don't try to even comprehend it in your human reason. Just accept it and, and receive that love as a free gift from God. Christmas is God's love wrapped in human flesh and, and delivered to us in swaddling clothes. It's immeasurable. It's uh, incomprehensible. But as immeasurable as it is, I'm going to make an attempt to measure it. I want us to take out our little 12-inch ruler in the form of John 3.16 and try to measure the width and the length and the height and the depth of God's love. You know John 3.16, don't you? You probably know it by heart. We don't even have to put it on the screen. You don't have to turn to it in your Bible. But we can say it together, can't we? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Max Lucado says with poetic flair that John 3.16 is a, quote, a 26-word parable of hope, beginning with God, ending with life, and urging us to do the same. 
He goes on to say, it's brief enough to write on a napkin or memorize in a moment, yet solid enough to weather 2,000 years of storms and questions. If you know nothing of the Bible, start with John 3.16. If you know everything in the Bible, return there. We all need the reminder, the heart of the human problem is the heart of the human, he says, and God's treatment is prescribed in John 3.16. And I would add that God's Christmas love is described in John 3.16 as well. God so loved the world that He gave. He gave the best gift anyone has ever given. He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. In his book, God Loves You, Dr. David Jeremiah writes, John 3.16 has long been regarded as our greatest, most direct, and most concise statement of the gospel. With almost miraculous precision, it places the good news of the love of God in the smallest of packages. When you say John 3.16, even many unbelievers either know what it means or know the verse itself. It is the most famous book, chapter, verse reference in the entire Bible. You'll see it on a banner at sporting events, emblazed on a t-shirt, or scrawled in graffiti on an underpass. It is a shorthand way of God saying, He loves us, that God loves you, and He loves me. Well, as immeasurable as the love of God is, let's, let's take out our 12-inch ruler as 12-year-old little boys and little girls, and let's try to measure the love of God. Consider the width of God's love in the phrase, for God so loved the world, the world. I'm talking the entire world he loved. Now, we need to make a distinction between the world of people and the world system because the same John who penned the words of Jesus in John chapter 3 and verse 16 also penned words in 1 John where he told us, do not love the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and all that. There's a difference between the people of the world and the world system which is corrupted by sin and Satan and the devil. God doesn't love all of the uh, sinful mistakes we have made. No, no, God loves the people of the world, the entire world. And I want you to understand that in the first century, that was a radical, radical concept for first century Jews because uh, the Jews certainly understood in the first century that God loved His chosen people. <laughs> but anybody outside of that, I'm not so sure. Does God really love Gentiles and Samaritans and people who are not chosen like us? That was the mindset of the first century Jew. And so when Jesus comes along and He says, God so loves the world, it's a radical concept. Uh, Leon Morris, who is a, a Bible commentator, says this is a distinctly, distinctively Christian idea that God's love is wide enough to embrace all of mankind. Think of the most unlovely person in your sphere of influence, the person that you just have a hard time loving. I'm not talking about the people in your own family that get ornery once in a while. I'm talking about that neighbor or that coworker or that person that we, we see doing despicable things on the 24-hour news cycles. God so loved the world. Consider the width of His love. I was trying to wrap my mind around it this, this week, and I wrote down these words. God's love has no racial, geographic, economic, or political boundaries. Consider the width of His love. But consider the length of His love in the phrase that He gave His only Son.
Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, God So Loved. Remember, all of Dr. Ron Jones' messages can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab right at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. Look for Something Good courses at the top of the homepage when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Agape. Anytime the Bible talks about God's love, it's, it's an agape love. It's an unconditional kind of love. It's not the kind of love that says, I love you if or I love you when. It just says, I love you, period. There are no conditions that the love of God sets for you and for me. We don't have to meet any particular conditions. And, and we can't go around bragging saying, oh, I am this or I am that. Because I did this or because I did that, God must love me so much more. No, the Old Testament Israelites learned that God's love for even his chosen people was not dependent upon their performance. That's Monday when Ron shares part two of his message, God so loved. Join us then for something good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.